You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material, and before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank and today I'm joined by our Head of International Economics, Joseph Caperso. Joe, good to have you on. Great to be back, Belinda. It's been a while since we've uh, had you on and talked about the global economy. Uh, it's been even a while since I've seen you in person. <laughs> it's going to be a while longer too, but that kind of brings us to the heart of what we are talking about today and that is Delta and lockdowns and whether or not at some point we're going to move beyond the need for lockdowns and how that's impacting the economy. Now, no doubt, just like it here in Australia is grabbing all the headlines, the Delta strain of COVID is certainly impacting many other countries around the world and it's those countries are living with COVID. They have been for the past 18 months. Australia is now just going to be learning to live with COVID. But it's probably worthwhile for us here in Australia just to look at what the experience of the major economies has been and what we need to watch to think about, not only here in Australia, but offshore, if lockdowns will continue to be required. When lockdowns were first introduced at the start of COVID, what was the main rationale behind it? Well, the rationale for lockdowns was to prevent hospitals becoming overwhelmed with seriously ill people. So the lockdowns decreased people coming into contact with each other, that reduced infections and hospitalisations. So initially, uh, the early warning indicator uh, for analysts was just to monitor infections because we knew that a proportion of people uh, that became infected will become seriously ill and seek assistance at hospital. And we also, in a way, were waiting for some sort of immunity to be built up in the population as well. So it looks like known infections have averaged around, what, 10% of the population in advanced economies. So we were kind of waiting for that using lockdowns until we came up with the second line of defence, which was vaccines. And they've obviously been enormously successful. It's amazing, really. I mean, it just goes to show that when you uh, incentivise companies to, uh, to to develop uh, vaccines and you throw enough money at the problem, uh, you, you really can uh, get some amazing results. So vaccines were developed and began, began distribution last year. And that was a many, many years ahead of initial expectations. Mm. I can remember the medical experts were saying, where's the effect of, it would take five to ten years to develop a, a vaccine if we develop one at all. So well, the fact that they could do it within a year just shows you um, the, the one as a modern medicine. It is. So instead of watching, in a way, the number of infections, we're now watching very closely, not only here in Australia between the states, but also vaccination rates globally. So how have they been tracking? And also then, are we seeing any correlation between those vaccination rates and also patients in hospital and in ICU? Because that's kind of what we want to get to, to think about the need for lockdowns going forward. Well, that's right. So Israel and the United States, they were the uh, the first uh, economies to really 
ramp up their, their vaccination uh, rates. Uh, Israel in particular, they were able to uh, get 60% of their population fully vaccinated uh, in the middle of the year. Uh, the US reached 40% um, around the middle of the, of the year as well, but things have certainly slowed down a, a long way in the United States. They've only got about 50% of their population uh, vaccinated now. Uh, sort of in Western Europe, uh, the UK, the, the major European economies, their vaccination rates are about 60% of the population. Mm. Uh, Japan, which was uh, a long way behind, like Australia and New Zealand are, uh, they have now vaccinated over 40% of their population. So there's been some big changes that have happened over a relatively uh, short period of time. Uh, but look, we probably still haven't done enough on, on, the, on the vaccination front yet. So but, and as you suggested, mm. an important part of vaccines is to weaken the link between infection and hospitalisation. Because if you don't overwhelm your hospital, hospital system, then you, there's less need for, um, for lockdown. But what we've seen is that different countries are having different experiences. Um, so, for example, um, the United States are going through a really big flare-up in infections and hospitalisations right now. So US intensive care admissions are only 20% below the peak that they reached mm. at the start of the year. Whereas in, say, the United Kingdom, uh, they're only uh, 25% of the peak that they reached at the start of the year. Some pretty big differences in the stats there, isn't there? So does that really come down to, I guess, vaccination rates but also herd immunity? But, yeah, there's probably a few different reasons. One could be vaccination rates are much higher in the UK than they are in the US. There's about 10 percentage points difference. It could come down to the type of vaccine that's been administered. So Israel and the US have uh, been using relatively more Pfizer, for example. The UK used relatively more AstraZeneca. Now, the, the data on that isn't clear-cut, by the way, but that, that could be a reason. Um, or another reason simply might be that uh, countries like the US and Israel um, vaccinated early, and so yeah. their efficacy of their vaccines are waning right. early as well. And you also make the point uh, in your full note that maybe the UK has reached herd immunity. So given they probably had more of an outbreak, more of their community has had some antibodies against COVID-19. So maybe that also is attempting to reduce those hospitalisation numbers as well. So that really, I think for me, brings us to the heart of what do vaccination rates need to be to avoid lockdowns going forward? And I think yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, that's, yep. that's what we're looking at here in Australia. There's been a lot of research done as to where we need to get vaccination rates to be. We're aiming for between 70 to 80% of the population. Some of these suggest it may need to be a little bit higher. Kind of what are your thinking on that, and also then what does it mean for the outlook for the economy? So the medical experts, their views, unsurprisingly, have, have evolved over time. Uh, so at the start of the pandemic, um, 18 or so months ago, medical experts thought that to reach herd immunity, you'd need, vac- you need a vaccine 60 to 70% of the population. Um, 
Now, since then, with the Delta virus, yeah. it's more infectious. Uh, the experts are coalescing around the number around 85% of the population need to be vaccinated. Now, it's probably worth just uh, pausing there and just reinforcing that um, medical experts, like it's very difficult for them to know with high confidence mm. in real time what the thresholds are for herd immunity. And it's not like 84% is so much worse than 86%. Um, you think of it more of a, of a spectrum and the 85% is just your, your, your broad target. Uh, but 85%, like that's, uh, that's consistent with other diseases like measles, smallpox and, and, and polio. So, you know, we, we, we can, um, well, we have shown that we can control those diseases. We, we can get uh, herd, herd immunity for those diseases. So we, we may well be able to do that for, for the Delta strain as well. Now, Belinda, you mentioned that the UK has around 95% of their population uh, that have some sort of protection. Most of that protection has come through vaccination mm. and, and, and the rest um, through, through infections, both known and, and unknown. Now, looking at um, the other countries under our coverage in North America and Western Europe, the only one, the only country that seems like they might reach herd immunity in the not-too-distant future is probably Canada. Mm. The other countries um, are quite a long way away, particularly Australia, New Zealand and, and Japan. Uh, those countries really need a significant step up in vaccination to, to reach herd immunity. So I guess what we kind of care about is how life can return to much more of a normal setting. Will lockdowns continue to be part of the playbook going forward? So what, what does your research say about that? And also where may the economy then go to in 2022? Well, I think part of the answer there lies in first reaching herd immunity and then keeping it. Mm. Because herd immunity is not permanent. Uh, immunity wanes over time. Now, the experts uh, aren't sure exactly how long immunity lasts, uh, but there is some evidence. Uh, there's an Oxford University study just out recently that showed that vaccine efficacy or the protection that provides people uh, does decline over time against the Delta variant. So just uh, by way of example... The Pfizer efficacy starts off at about 90, 95%. And after three months, is 70 to 75%. So it does wane uh, reasonably quickly. So that, that sort of brings home to me the, the need that um, economies are probably going to have to use uh, booster shots mm. to um, fill up the, the, uh, the, the, uh, vaccination protection. Now, Israel began their booster program at the start of August. Right. Uh, the US uh, will be following suit in September. And I think uh, regular booster programs are going to be the norm in advanced economies uh, next year. Now, to answer your question about lockdowns, I think that they are going to be less frequent in 2022 uh, for the economies under our coverage. But I think lockdowns will still occur, uh, likely or perhaps hopefully uh, going to be more localised mm. to specific areas that don't have a herd immunity. 
I think there's a good chance that um, governments are going to keep specific restrictions or obligations uh, for an extended period. Uh, for example, I can see uh, governments um, having mask mandates on public transport or they might have operating limits on some service providers. I think restaurants where mm. they say you can't operate at more than, let's say, 50% capacity. Um, I can also see specific people, uh, maybe because of their age, their health or their job, that that might be forced into lockdowns from time to time. So, look, I, I think next year things are going to head towards normal. But I, I think it's going to be probably slower than what people are hoping yeah. for. And um, even once lockdowns are infrequent, short and localised, I think it's going to take time for individuals to reach their own new normal. Yeah. Because I, I think at least a subset of the population is going to um, have altered behaviour just by the fear of catching the disease. And that's probably going to be a, a downside risk to the world economy for some time, but look, I think fear will fade over time. Joe, it's been great to kind of talk about not only the vaccinations, but also how the economy may evolve in 2022. It's certainly going to be very interesting, uh, but it does look brighter than the situation we are here uh, in New South Wales at the moment. So thanks for joining. Thank you very much, Linda. Now you can read Joseph Caperso's report on Delta is the end in sight, which was published on the 27th of August 2021 on combankresearch.com.au.